All right, that's recording. All right, quick word from the sponsors. FIFO by Aaron Weston, a hilarious novel about all the crazy stuff that happens on FIFO. Available at Aaron Weston author, Instagram account or Facebook page. For the kids, you got Australian Surf Lifesavers, Australian Police Vehicles, Australian Defence Force Machines, Australian Paramedics, Australian Mining Machines, Mining Machines Colouring Handbook, Australian Firefighters, all available at Children's Books by Aaron White on Facebook and on Instagram. Just click on the link or the Shop Now button, grab yourself a copy. All right. Hi, everyone. And if you like, the, like what you're listening to or like what you're watching, please like and subscribe and tell a mate. All right, we'll get into it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Aaron Weiss Show. Today, we have a fantastic guest, Ryan Devereaux. Ryan is the owner of Bodies by Ryan. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on board. No worries. It's going to be awesome. Hey, can you just tell me your story, like how and where you grew up and your life-changing events and how you ended up doing what you're doing today? Yeah, mate. So I actually grew up in Ballarat in Victoria. So um, small, cold place, uh, southwest of Melbourne. So I lived there until I was about uh, 21. So I moved to Perth um, in tw- uh, 2010. Uh, so been here for a little while now. So first came over here working as a tradie, just chasing the sunshine um, and a little bit warmer weather. So I came over here for a year's worth of work and then um, decided I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. So I just started... Um, um, I, I stopped playing footy. I just played amateur, amateur grade footy. So I just gave that um, the can. I wasn't really enjoying that anymore and got more into gym and training more frequently. And then um, I decided I just wanted to do it as a, as a living. So um, started doing all the cert three and the four. And this, um, then I went through the strength and conditioning level one, level two. Uh, got a job at Christchurch Grammar School here in Perth. So I was working as a, a strength and conditioning coach there, coaching all the rugby guys, all the rowing guys. Um, and then doing all the personal training on the side and just started training a lot of the parents of the school, really. And then after I was there for four, uh, it was almost five years, um, I got a gentle nudge by the, the guys at the school there that sort of said, you've got to either pull back on the personal training or um, or just sort of head out and do your own thing. So, um, yeah, as I said, I was there for nearly five years. So I thought it was the right time to sort of pull the pin and come out and do my own thing. So I always wanted to have my own gym. So it was like a, a gentle nudge in the right direction. Um, and then, yeah, so we started my, the first BBR, um, was actually in, uh, April, oh, it's just a little bit before that actually, cause it got shut down in April, 2017. Cause we started May, 2017, um, in the two locations that we've got now. Um, but yeah, the first gym we had, that was a bit of a, a bit of a good experience, a good, good lesson, I guess, because we opened it, um, without council approval, we spoke to the council, and said, you know, are we going to be okay to open here? We're actually next to a cemetery and the water corp. And they said, yeah, you should be fine. Um, but we got one complaint from a guy on that street who had a karate center there who didn't like us being there. So we actually got shut down. So um, within the first days of my first client that I had coming down to the gym, obviously didn't know where it was because it was the first time being there, walked in the karate center, said, hey, I'm looking for Ryan's gym. And he said, what do you mean, Ryan's gym? And then came down and, yeah, complained to the council and we got shut down that same day that we opened. God, that's ridiculous. Why can a karate centre, what's that got to do with you? Because you're a fitness, like... Well, I, I see, uh, from, what, from what I researched, mate, it's just like, it's a pet, a lot, one single person has a lot of power when it comes to councils and 
um, business being set up. So I know that a lot of other gyms in the area, like F45s, they often get complaints from um, neighbours and, you know, they get warnings, but obviously they've been approved by the council. So we didn't have that council approval. So we, we were out and, you know, we had 30 days to get out pretty much. So that was probably one of the toughest lessons I've had in starting the businesses, mate, because, um, you know, I pretty much spent all my savings on um, all the equipment. Um, so that all got delivered. I still hadn't taken most of it out of the box yet um, on that first day. I was still setting it up as I, on, on the go. Um, and obviously, when you sign a lease, you have to put up three months um, of rent to cover it as a bond. So I almost dropped it. Oh, yeah, it was around 20K on, on the bond and on the lease first up. So I burnt a bit of cash at the start. And then I had, um, yeah, 30 days to find a new home for, for the gym. So that was literally on the 29th day. Um, I had a client come into the gym down there because I could still trade within that 30 days. They allowed that. Um, on the 29th day, um, I had a client come in and he was too hungover to train. So we went and got a coffee and he actually gave me a number <laughs> of a guy who uh, manages, managed the leases within the Claremont showgrounds here in Perth. So I literally called that guy and then that same day came in, checked out this place that we're in now, which is what we call our BBR hit gym where we do all, all our high intensity training. Um, signed the lease on it um, that day. Um, and then nine months later, we've opened up another gym just down the road as well, which is just still called Bodies by Ryan, but we do more strength training out of there. Did you get council approval this time? Well, we're funny because we're kind of uh, we're, uh, we're we're kind of looked after here because this the, the Royal Agriculture of um, WA actually own the showgrounds, so we don't fall under any council jurisdiction in here. So um, I just have to abide by what they tell me here um, and we're all good how do they get access do you have to go through the showgrounds to get to you or you're just on the outside or yeah. no yeah so you have to come through the showground so that's what was so weird like i've never uh, there's uh, there's lots of businesses that actually um run throughout the showgrounds here so um you know there's a few catering companies there's um a few um uh, what are they marketplace one business is called so there's a there's a few businesses that roll through here so you've got to actually drive through the main gate to come in and find us so we are sort of hidden away um in here which sort of works um to our favor in some ways like i think one of the best things about our gyms like it's so once you know where it is um there's tons of parking it's super easy to get to um but obviously we do have to shut down for 10 days when the show's on so it's the only sort of downfall that we have in here but um yeah tons of parking which our clients love um, and, you know, when COVID happens and we have to lock it down, we've got the whole space to use here. So we just do big um, sessions in the car park, um, you know, so it does sort of feel like a bit more of a community space in here rather than just being out in a council and dealing with a landlord directly. So when COVID did hit, so it didn't yeah. affect you guys that much because obviously they're not allowed in your gym itself to do the weights, but you could just go outside. So you didn't lose that much business or you did? Yeah. Mate, so COVID, when the, when the first lockdown came around, it was obviously a massive shock to everyone. We didn't know really what we were going to do, but um, my girlfriend um, works in hospitality, so she lost her job straight away. So what we did, we, we went online. So pretty much when COVID happened, the next day we just started running online classes. We didn't ever know what we were doing really. I'd never used Zoom before or anything like that, but we literally just um, had a monitor. So we used that um, and I'd write a program. I'd send it out to everyone the night before. Um, and then what I'd do is I would have everyone on a big monitor. So I'd be coaching everyone on the screen and I'd have my girlfriend here doing the workout. So they would see her doing the workout and I was just coaching everyone on the screen. So um, because we do the hit and the strength training, um, we'll do strength first thing at 5.15 
and then we'll do hit at 6.15. So my girlfriend was doing a two-hour session every day. Um, so she got really fit through the COVID lockdown. Um, so yeah, then we just, you know, we'd send down a link so everyone could do it in their own time at home as well. So we sort of hit the ground running, Matt, and we got lots of good feedback through that time because I think it was a really hard time for a lot of people. And I think they found a lot of structure and um, it was still like their normality when we'd get everyone on Zoom in the morning. You know, some mornings we had up to 60 people on there and we had people from all around the world by the end of COVID. So we had people um, in Melbourne, we had people in France, we had people in London. Um, so we're sending links out everywhere. So it was actually really cool by the end that we have, because of the time differences, not everyone was, was on at the same time. But throughout the day, we, we'd have a private Facebook group and everyone would post up selfies. And we did things like where we had an 80s day. So everyone dressed up in 80s costumes when we're doing training. So um, that was quite funny and all the screens, you know, have about 40 people up training all wearing different costumes. So we just try to make it as fun as we could through that time, mate. So, um, but I think... When, when COVID hit, I think we had about 210 members on our books um, and that went back to zero the day COVID hit. Everyone cancelled straight away, which was fair enough. Um, straight back the next day, we offered that first week for free so everyone could see what we're doing. Um, by that next week, we'll back up to about 50, 60 members. And then after the three months of the COVID, we'll back up to about almost 200 members online. So um, that was a good switch. We had to pivot pretty quickly. Um, I was pretty lucky I did a a three-day course um, with a guy called Kerwin Ray the year before, which is always about, it's all based on business um, strategy and pivoting and something happened. So it was almost like as soon as COVID hit, I got my um, my book out from the Kerwin Ray event I went to. Uh, I can't speak highly enough about that guy as well. He's, he's awesome. Um, and yeah, just we just went from there and I just thought, you know, this is, it's important for everyone to keep training. And um, I know how good I feel when I'm training. So um, I just made sure that everyone still had the option to train um, and do a strength program and do a hit programming as well because we leased out all the equipment in the gym as well. That's what I was going to ask you. So, so you haven't bought all the, the gear. How does gyms operate with the equipment? Because there's like so much money worth of equipment in each gym. Do you use late, like yeah. monthly leasing fee or something for gear, do you? Or? Mate, I, I own all of our equipment here. Um, I just did it a little bit differently to what other gyms do because I think some gyms, when they set out, they go, um, okay, you know, we've got a business plan. We're going to lease out all this equipment and get it in. I did it a little bit differently. I just, um, I put about, well, I think it was about 50 grand worth in at the start and I just brought exactly what I knew I needed to run classes. Um, and then once we started getting some revenue back in, uh, once I started building the bank account back up, um, you know, buy a cable machine and then a few more weeks go by and then I buy a couple more bikes and a couple more weeks go by and I buy another cable machine. So now we've got two gyms fully decked out. In our other gym, we've got, you know, it's leg presses and, you know, hammer strength. So it's almost at the level where it could be, you know, used as a commercial gym with the amount of equipment we've got in there. But that was just, you know, month by month. Um, well, sort of week by week at the start because yeah once I signed a lease on this first place I still didn't have enough money to cover the rent so I was back on the tools most weekend um, working with mates just trying to get any work that I could just to cover the rent for the first probably three months until we had enough members to cover it um, but that was probably one of the toughest things at the start as well because I went from being really busy as a personal trainer and I opened up this space and then I couldn't get any more PT sessions um, in so I started moving to more of a class-based structure um, and when that happened, a lot of my personal training clients didn't like doing the, the classes. So I went from having about 
40, 50 members when I started. Um, and then when I went over to the class structure, I lost a lot of members in that process as well. So I moved out of Christchurch with this like big membership base. Um, and I thought that was just really going to grow from there. Cause I thought, you know, if I open up more times where we can get more bums on seats, um, it's going to be really good and it's going to grow really quickly. But what actually happened is it went backwards before it went forward. So um, yeah, I reckon we would have lost a lot of members at the start because they were used to that, the personal training experience. And then I think once we opened the classes up to, you know, 24 people per class, um, I think that they just didn't like, didn't, didn't like the change, um, which was fair enough. So, you know, I lost a lot of members at, at, in that starting process as well. Did you still do the one-on-one after doing the classes? Maybe just, uh, if they still want to have that, have that personal one-on-one experience, maybe just up the price a bit if they still wanted or something like that. Yeah, it was the hardest thing. The hardest thing is with the times and the schedule. So for a long time there, I was doing um, PTs, um, a half an hour PT from 5 to 5.30 in the morning. Then I'd do a 5.30, 6.30, 7.30 class, 8.15 PT, 9 o'clock class. And I'd do a 4 o'clock class um, and then any uh, 5 o'clock class and then a PT after that. Um, but then once I'd finished that the day, like I'd train in there myself and trying to learn the business and try and run Facebook ads yourself. And um, then I'd have to set up the gym ready for the class the next morning, plus clean it all. So I was just doing massive days, mate. And I was, I was, I did it for nine months and I was absolutely, because in between those times I was working all weekends as a trade as well to, to make more money to cover the rent. So I was absolutely, I just remember that feeling of, um, you know, after doing the first sort of, yeah, I reckon it was getting close to nine months just before we, we brought out our first trainer. I really started out to think, fuck, I don't know how much longer I can do this for because I was just burning out. Because I, I felt a lot of pressure as well because um, I've always felt, you know, um, to own a gym, you should be, you know, this big, strong, muscly dude. And, you know, um, so, and not being from Perth, I really wanted to have um, a good reputation and make sure I had integrity behind all of our programs. So, I did put always um, a ton of time into our programming and that's some, some of the best feedback we get from our clients at the moment. Um, you know, if they come from F45 or other CrossFit gyms, they say that they really love the programming here because we program in eight and 12 week blocks and they all go in meso and micro cycles. So even when people are in a, in a training block now, like we've started an eight week um, challenge today um, with a new eight week challenge block. And after that, I know that they go into a four week sort of a deload period and then we go into another eight-week block after that. So our, we, when we write our programming, it's usually done over sort of like a six or 12-month um, sort of structure, broken down into, into little um, smaller um, micro and meso, meso cycles. What's micro and meso cycles? What's that mean? So it's just broken down into like, um, it just talks about scale pretty much. So we will have a, um, a micro um, or meso block. It just pretty much means the length of the program. So... Um, the way, probably the best way to describe it from um, just say at the moment. So we're going through an eight-week block now. So this is just like a, a micro cycle. So it's just a small part of the block, um, eight weeks. But then we also move into a four-week block and another eight-week block. So it's just really talking about how you break the programming up um, and what exercises you do in this block compared to the next block. So um, the, one, the way we really focus on our big left, lifts, especially in the strength gym, um, it might be, um, you know, a bench press, um, a deadlift, a front squat and an overhead press over an eight week block. And we work with a strength progression over that eight weeks. From there, the fourth week, um, the, the four week block in between the eight week programs will just be a really simple progression where we will take away like the actual strength progressions. We'll just go back to normal sessions. Um, and then the next eight week block after that, the four list might be different. So it might go to a barbell back squat, 
um, a dumbbell walking lunge, a glute thrust, um, and just another type of deadlift. So we're always alternating the, the four program, the four exercises in each program block as well. What's the best way to do a bench press? Because it was always just a whole hop on the flat bench press, squeeze your base together, push it up. Now suddenly all this like the powerlifting's got you bending, <laughs> bending up. Because what I, what I was learning. They basically say, don't lift your lower back up. Now, suddenly these guys are like arch the back up majorly and they're saying, this is the best way to do it now. What's just for your everyday person, what's the best way to grow? Yeah. Well, it's really um, individual based. So it depends on when I've got a client in, I always look at the curvature of their spine. So if they're quite low dotty like me, if they've got that lower curvature of the lumbar spine, you're not going to have to get them to arch or go into extension more, which is extension is just when you go into that um, more of that lordotic posture of just pushing your sternum up. Um, but it depends what you want to do as well, mate. Like if, if you want to just actually grow your chest to get a bigger chest, I wouldn't recommend doing a bench press at all. I think it's a really bad exercise for growing muscle. I think it's a great exercise for developing chest um, strength. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think there's a ton of better exercises out there if you're looking just to grow your grow your chest um, as a hypertrophy type of exercise compared to a strength exercise, so what, more cables and stuff like that, or yeah, so so like you you just break it down to how how muscles work, and um, it's got an insertion and an origin. So you've got to lengthen the muscle and you've got to shorten the muscle. So you think about how 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 am I going to do this most effectively? Um, so I always think when I'm writing a program, I'm going to always challenge it. Um, especially through a chest, you know, you've got to work within the fiber orientation as well. Um, so I always usually warm up with a fire because I know that gets the, the scapulas moving as well. Um, and I just try and get as much blood into the muscle as, as I can. Um, but working with a slow tempo as well, I think for any sort of like normal day gym guy, that the worst thing that I see guys getting in there on a bench press and they're just shoving back and forth or with their fires, they're moving um, too quick. And one thing I think everyone sort of gets into a bad habit too, um, which I sort of pick up a lot on is people use momentum to use a weight and not their muscles. So when I get any clients in, I slow everything right down. So it goes back to four second eccentrics, be one or two second hold at the bottom and then a two second concentric. So you can really slow everything down. So you can actually feel the muscle working, going through the lengthening range, holding, and then back through the shortening range. So I think it's really important to identify um, the muscle action and the muscle function and then break it down to challenging the muscle. So each time you do an exercise or when you program a day, I'll always think, you know, if I'm trying to do, um, grow my hamstrings, I'll always pick exercise. I go, okay, how am I going to challenge it into a shortened range? So it might be something, something as simple as a seated leg curl where I can just literally work through a shortened range. And then if I want to work the, the muscle through a lengthened range, it might be something like a stiff-legged deadlift. Yeah. Is it all right to do just... Because I've seen lots of people do like back and buys one day, chest and tries one day. What I do is I have chest only one day and back only one day and buys only one day and triceps only one day. Is it right to just do... Yeah. I'll try, when I'm at work, because I'm there for seven days, I, I hate having days off. So I've got two questions for yeah. you. Is it fine to just do one body group per day and just smash it? And is it right not to have any days off within a full week? Yeah, so I think... It, it, it all works, but I think what, what you've got to look at it um, in the, is a in a longer term. So the way we grow muscles and the way we program is just by um, progressive overload. So that means it can be something as simple as, I, I don't care what the split looks like really, as long as you're challenging the muscle each week. So this week, 
if you do 10 reps, that's, the, that's just what you do with the same split. Next week, um, you might do 12 reps. The next week after that, you might stay at 12 reps, but you might increase the weight. So it really comes down to how you've set your programming up, whether you really, because there's all different variables, how we challenge the muscle. We can challenge the muscle, the muscle under time through slower tempos. We can challenge it through load, um, which is just weight. We can challenge it through distance about how, how far the muscle will travel um, from different exercises and how you position your feet in a lunge, for an example. So there's, there's all different variables as a coach that you can just turn dials on to make it harder and work through that progressive overload. Um, but the most simple way to do it, because if you think about, if you're going to be doing it, if you pick to do a split, and it might be chest and tries, or it could just be chest, back, shoulders, legs, thighs and tries, you know, whatever your split is, but if you just think about that in regards to, okay, I'm going to do three working sets on each, on, on each exercise and pick four exercises. It's just simple. It's really, really super simple. And the next week, if you go to add more weight to those exercises the following week, and then the following week, you know, if, for example, using a bench press, you're not going to be able to go, I'm going to start at 100 kilos. Next week, I'll do 110, 120, 130, 140. That progression runs out really quick. Where if you add things in like tempo, where you slow your tempo down um, and add in different things like uh, you can add tempo, load um, and distance into those into those variables as well, um, you can get much more out of the program, if that makes sense. Yeah. What do you reckon about so that? I think there's all, there you go. No, yeah. So there's just, there's just all different variables. So, um, and I always think if I want to increase the, the, the total volume, um, then I might look at bunching up chest and tries together or even doing chest chest and arms together um, but there are better better muscle groups to train after each other like i would never train um back and then legs um day after day because usually if i'm doing back i'm doing a lot of bent over movements um so if you just think about the stress and strain on your lower back so i'd always try and break them up so for example i trained legs this morning um so legs today um tomorrow will be either chest or shoulders um and then i'll go to back after that so I always make sure there's a day in between legs and back. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Are you yeah. a qualified so just, um, nutritionist? Yeah. Are you a qualified nutritionist? So I'm actually, I'm actually, so I'm studying nutrition at the moment. So I've just started uni this year. Um, so, but I've been, I've done, what is it now? Four, com uh, four competitions and I plan to compete in February this year, but um, they, the competition got cancelled, um, which is a bit of a bummer because I went through, I got a coach on board when I decided I wanted to do a show and I went through a 40-week gaining phase where I think I, my starting weight was about 96 kilos. And then I think the heaviest I got was up to 107. And then um, from 107, we started dieting down. And over 20 weeks, I lost a kilo a week to get down to about 87. For I just booked in a photo shoot because once the show got cancelled, I was, I was 16 weeks into a diet um, plus all the heart, the 40 works, the 40 weeks that I did leading up to it as well. Um, so yeah, I was pretty disappointed that the show got cancelled, but um, that is what it is. And we just made, did a photo shoot. So we still got some photos for uh, the hard work that we put in. What are you using the photos for magazines or for Instagram or? Oh, uh, mate, just for content. Like I've, I've got a lot of um, programs I sell online now as well. So um, literally when I do a program, I'll write down everything I do. So from the, the structure of the program, how long it's for, um, I know leading up to the, the photo shoot, I was really running out of energy. So um, 
one of the other variables that you can change within your training is like the density of your session. So how much work you can get within a certain amount of time. So I'll do all giant sets. So um, they might be back and biceps. So I'll do four, four back exercises and two bicep exercises all in a row without any rest. Um, and then I rest for two to three minutes after I do those six exercises. I do that four times. So um, I just took out a lot of the rest. So I was working super hard, burning fat, building muscle. Um, and then, yeah, I'd get my workout done in 40 minutes rather than 90. Does your girlfriend work with you full time now? Uh, no. So she's back in hospitality, but she she's in here one or two days a week just helping out with admin and things like social media and stuff like that. She's better. She's got a better eye for it than me. So she comes in and helps out um, along the way where she can, which is which is a big help. All right, I'm going to hit you up with some food, like some nutrition type stuff now. I know you said yeah, you just started, yeah. but still you've, you've got all this knowledge already. Um, yeah. What, what good supplements? Are you just better off eating healthy food? Otherwise, what supplements can yeah. you recommend? Yeah, well, I think I, I take, um, um, you know, a, a few supplements. I think there is some good science backing a lot of the supplements now, but I still keep it really basic, mate. Anything... Probably the, the best rules, if it's got a shiny label, like don't touch it, you know, I just keep it really, really basic. Because um, I think if you walked into a supplement shop and said, oh, I've just started a gym, what can you recommend? You know, they'll give you a list as long as your arm. And I don't think they're really necessary at the start as well. But just the basic ones that we recommend to our clients, like I consider protein powder to be just a food. So it's not even a supplement. I just think um, if you're training with weights, it's a no-brainer to have protein powder. It's a really good source of protein. It's fast absorbing. So really, really important just to have that in there as well. Um, I take creatine, monohydrate, glutamine. Um, I take a zinc and magnesium blend before I go to bed. Um, and then if I've got more than four hours in between meals during the day, um, I'll have some branch chain amino acids as well, some BCAAs. Oh, sweet. Would you recommend, I know you said the protein powder, but would you recommend yeah. just eating meat? Like normal food as opposed to having protein powder? Or you reckon the protein powder is better because it's more quickly absorbed yeah so they they both have their um their pros so i think protein powder is just a no-brainer especially when you can add it to things like oats it can make the meal taste a lot better um again it's fast absorbing at relatively good price so i think having your protein powder in there um but i definitely i'm big on eating meat proteins as well um i think we can all as long as it's sourced um ethically i think it's good you know if you can get it from a farm it's organic, it's grass fed. I think that's definitely a way to go about it rather than eating, you know, just meat from the local supermarket. So that's what we try and push here at BBR. Um, but when you're eating steak, you're getting thing, you're getting uh, lots of minerals um, from this food as well. So you get a lot of supplements. So you know how I just spoke, spoke about creatine, um, there's taurine, um, what else is there? Carnitine. So you get all these other added benefits when you eat red meat as well. Um, that's why I like you know, eating chicken breast is good. You know, chicken breast always gets, you know, a lot of um, a lot of airtime when it comes to dieting, but chicken breast is good for protein, but it doesn't have much nutritional value. I think you get a lot more out of, you know, a rump steak because you get those added, um, you know, creatine, glutamine, all those types of stuff in there as well. So yeah, I'm big, I'm big on having all those stuff in there, mate. I think they've all got a place in your diet throughout the day. What do you reckon about blueberries and broccoli and all those type of things? Yeah, so you can, there's some guys at the moment who talk a lot about the importance of micronutrients. And I think that's, um, you know, it's got its place as well. Um, you've got to have a good range of macronutrients, which is your protein, carbs, and fats. 
Um, you've got to have a good percentage of those goals. And de- depending on what your goals are, you know, if your, your goal is to lose weight, um, you know, you're going to have about 50% of your calories coming from protein. Um, and then depending on your body type and you, where you're from, um, it might be a little bit higher carb, lower fat, or the other way around. But at the end of the day, your calorie intake is going to um, dictate how your physique changes. So if you're trying to put on muscle, you know, you might go 40% protein, 40% carbohydrate, 20% fat, or you might go 50% carbohydrate, you know, 30% protein um, and make the rest up through your fat. So there's a few different variations that you can work where you're getting your calories from. Yep. What's in the future for you? Do you want to have like 20 BBRs down the track or something? Or what, what do you want to do? Uh, pick your perfect life. Mate, I, I love what I do now. I love my day-to-day, you know. I get out of bed um, 10 to 4 most mornings. I usually train before we, we start our classes here. Our classes start at 5.15. Um, we've got a really, really cool group of people in here, and I, I really love the community we have. Um, I just want to make this better. I don't necessarily want to go bigger. I think we've got a really good, strong, successful, profitable business right now. Um, so I'm really hesitant to do anything different because I think if we're all – the trainers are busy. Um, I'm more than busy enough, you know, with my day to day, always feels like I need more hours in the day. Um, if we're all doing what we love every day, offering a good service, helping people change their physiques, and we can make a, a good dollar while we're doing it, I just think, why would, why would you change? I think for the first two years when I started BBR, I think it was more um, of coming from a place of like trying to feed my ego saying, oh, I want to have multiple gyms. I want to do this because it was more just to tell people that I've opened gyms. But um, if I was to be honest, I, I really love what I do now. Um, the day-to-day is really exciting for me. I love coaching in classes. I love coaching PT. I love doing nutrition plans. Um, we've got an online group now. So we've got about 40 online members as well as you know 200 members here at BBR. So that's enough people to manage. And like I said, we're, we're all pretty busy at the moment. So the only thing in the future for me at the moment is just trying to make um, our gyms better. So if that means that we move into a bigger, better space, that's probably something that's on the cards for us right now is trying to find a space where we could potentially move one gym out of the showground so we don't have any interruptions when it comes through um, to the showtime. Um, but yeah, we literally just sit down and we, and we just try and put our heads together to find out how can we make the programming better? How can we deliver a better service? Um, and that's basically basically it for us you know we try and just keep it really simple and just try and execute well do you guys do like because you say you got that strength gym as well is that do you guys compete in those powerlifting competitions and all that type of stuff no so even though it's called our strength gym it's more hypertrophy training mate so um we don't really ever do anything less than sort of eight to ten twelve reps up in there where all your powerlifting stuff's you know you know one rep max and everything like that our demographic is really you know basically 80% females between 30 to 55. Um, and I just don't think there's there's no point putting anyone that's a little bit between all people between the age bracket, bracket at risk of injury. So I just think we can still get great results and still build strength. There's no reason why you can't build strength working to a eight, 10 rep max rather than just a one rep max. I just think that it takes out um, a lot of risk of injury, pushing people to their one rep max. I think if people want to do powerlifting stuff, that's awesome. That's something that I haven't really done a lot of. I've done some strength training before, but um, yeah, I just find it, it takes a lot of time to build up enough stability to really push one rep maxes all the time and, and to compete um, under that banner. But if, if, it's, if it's people's cups of tea, then, then that's cool as well. But I think we've all sort of worked um, within our niche, I guess. And you said 80% of 
your clients are females 30 to 55 what do they struggle with most what do they want to change most about their bodies or their mindsets or whatever mate the biggest thing at the moment is that i say is everyone under eats um and not in an unhealthy way but i think there's so many people so uneducated on um how many calories they should be eating a day how much protein they need to be eating um even a good amount of healthy fats you know if you're not even talking about changing people's body composition but just for general general health and well-being i think people have no idea of what they should be eating and i think what that causes and what that leads to is people under eat during the week so when they're um sober um and you know being mindful of what they're eating they eat less of the good stuff because they think oh you know if i'm trying to lose weight if i'm trying to um do whatever they'll eat less of the good stuff but when it gets to the weekend and they might have a few drinks um and then they blow it out and you know, have pasta or pizza or whatever they eat on the weekend um, even though they're having a uh, two days off plan or eating um, different foods that are high in carbohydrates, high in fats, if you think about that in the scheme of your week, when you're under eating good proteins and good vegetables and good carbohydrates um, compared to what you do on the weekend, and then you blow it up. So the whole ratio of macronutrients and calories over the week um, really doesn't look great for someone that's trying to lose weight. And do you find when you have the, I know you said you do more cl- classes now as opposed to one-on-one did you find when you're doing the one-on-one you're a bit more of like um not a psychologist like basically people come to you not just for the physical change in their body but also to air their problems and talk about their issues and stuff like that yeah somewhat i think everyone's everyone's different um i think you know pts get put in the same basket as like hairdressers and stuff like that where it's someone that you see on a regular basis that you trust that's not in your friendship group so um, yeah, I have some people that, you know, they come in, they, they might need to get something off their chest, which is um, completely cool. But um, most of the sessions that I do with PT, if people are talking and um, it means they're not working hard enough and they're, you know, if yeah. they've got enough breath to be talking, we're not going hard. So, um, but yeah, Matt, like I'm, I'm really big on, you know, meditating and, and you know, I love reading and self-development. So if people have issues, I, I'm, I'm always here to listen. I think that's one thing we really drive here at BBR is that really, we really care and we're we genuinely want our clients to get better and progress. And if that means sometimes that we have to, you know, be, have a shoulder to cry on, you know, then I'm, I'm, I'm all for that as well. Whatever we can do to help our members, that's what we're going to do. Um, but yeah, mainly it's just all training, mate. You know, we have a bit of a chat, you know, when we've got rest periods, but um, yeah, everyone's different. Some people need more than others. Um, and depending on what people have got on at home or if they've got a partner at home or if they feel comfortable with sharing other people, they'll probably come to us less. But yeah, it just sort of depends on the person. What self-improvement things do you do? You touch on the self, like, so do you listen, do you know Andy Fasello? Do you listen to his type of stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went through a big phase. I usually go through a big phase of like, I'm listening to different people. So started off with Tony Robbins and I usually go back to him every now and again. Um, I just did, uh, the last program I've done is through a guy called Michael Gervais, who's a um, leading sports psychologist. Um, You know, I've done, you know, the David Goggins book, the Jocko Willing books and podcasts, um, all that type of stuff. What else? Have I done? I've just, I've just had a lot of business coaches along the way as well. So um, a lot of local guys, um, another different Tony Robbins coach. Um, you know, I just, I just think there's, there's lots to learn. And I think the more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. So I'm always trying to keep my finger in a couple of different pies when it comes to personal development, whether it can make me better as a boyfriend, as a partner, um, make me better as a leader. Um, you know, I think there's lots of value in learning and 
um, yeah, like I said, there's just so much out there. I think you're mad if you're not reading books or being involved in some type of program to keep progressing as, as you get older. Have you tried counseling or anything like that? Or you just reckon, because you said about the whole relationship type of thing, tried yeah. going down that path or is more just like your no, thing? Yeah, I just, you know, I think um, I read, um, I haven't finished yet, but it's a book on like love languages. So just yeah. trying to work out how, um, you know, picking up on signs, you know, if I need to be more intimate or more, um, you know, connect more or um, anything like that. They're just some little things that I'll just always try and, um, you know, try and improve on. It's a pretty good book, that one. Like it went around the mindset, the whole five lang- five love languages. I think that's the one yeah. that you talked about. Oh, we're going to run yeah, out of yeah. time, time soon. Uh, where's your gym located and where's the best place for people to find you online and anything? Uh, yeah, so you can just, uh, we're based inside the Claremont Showgrounds here um, in Perth, which is just off Greylands Road. So but you can find us, um, everything you need to know is on our website, which is just bodiesbyryan.com.au. Um, Instagram page, Bodies by Ryan. And I've got a personal Instagram page too, which is just Ryan Devro BBR. And do you do Facebook or TikTok? Don't do, uh, I've just only just started a TikTok. So uh, I think I've got one post up on TikTok. Um, but yeah, i got Facebook as well, which is just Bodies by Ryan. Oh, sweet. Any like words of wisdom or whatever you want to impart onto the audience before we wrap up? Oh, well, in regards to training, I just think that you just, you just got to do the work. I think what I say these days is like people aren't prepared to do the work. People want shortcuts. They want the, you know, the magic pill. Um, but I just think you've just really got to, if you do want to change your body, if you do want to get stronger and fitter and be more confident and, you know, get all the, the positives from training, you've just got to get in there and do the work. And um, if you don't know how to do it, get a coach, um, stick to the plan, listen to what your coach says. And um, that's something that I've always done. I've always got a coach following different programs, different following different nutrition programs. Because I think, yeah, every time you get a new coach, you learn a little bit more. Um, but just, I, I just think it's a really good message to tell people just to stay true to themselves. And if they want to, you know, have big biceps and that's okay, don't worry about being judged because you get judged either way. So, um, you know, stay true to yourself and just do the work. No, that actually some really good words to finish up on. Um, well, thanks for coming on the show. Did you have fun? Yeah, Matt, it was good. Loved having a chat. It was very, very good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. All right, let's do the little outro. Well, that's a wrap. I'd like to thank Ryan again for coming to the show and I'd like to thank you, the listener, for listening. Please tell a friend about the podcast and have a fantastic day. All right, bye.